Hi everyone, welcome back to Talks in Class. I'm Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today for another episode. It's the holidays, guys, it is here. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas if you celebrate, and Happy New Year's in advance because this is actually the last episode of the pod for 2023. How is that possible? I actually really can't even believe it. I know everybody says this and we say it every year, <laughs> but this year flew by and I do really honestly feel like every single year goes by just a little bit faster. So I got back to LA late last night. I flew back from Wisconsin and just jumped right back into things today. I had an event this afternoon and then, you know, just kind of trying to wrap those last few things up before the holidays. This weekend, Hubs and I are going out of town for just like a little quick Christmas getaway, just us and Daisy. So that'll be fun. And then next week, I think I'm just going to relax a little bit. It's that dead week, you know, that weird week between Christmas and New Year's. And it always just kind of feels like not real life. You know what I mean? It kind of feels like limbo. Nobody's really working, even if you're, you know, air quotes, working. It's like nothing really counts during that week. And it's crazy because last year we actually drove from coast to coast during that week between Christmas and New Year's on our way here to LA, we were moving. So we've been here already for a full year, which is just seems almost impossible how fast it went by. But anyway, all that is to say, there will be no new episode next week for the holidays and the show will be back the first week in January to kick off 2024 with a fun new year themed episode. I'm really excited for you guys to hear that one. It was a really fun one to talk about. As always, I will start the episode with my what good happened for the week. And you guys know how I feel about <laughs> flying these days. I just, I wish that it, it wasn't the case, but it's just been kind of a nightmare lately. I feel like most often my flights are kind of a disaster and you know, that's too bad because I really do love to travel. However, yesterday when I flew back to LA from Wisconsin, I had a dream travel day. I mean, honestly, nothing went wrong. Nothing got delayed. You, you guys might know I fly from a small regional airport in Wisconsin when I visit home. So I have to connect in Chicago. There's just no other option. So there's just a lot of room for error there because of that connection, especially because I usually choose to have a shorter connection versus a longer one. So I'm not sitting in O'Hare for like four hours. So I had a 45 minute layover in Chicago last night, which is just zero margin for error. Any delay, <laughs> I would have missed my connection. But my flight to Chicago actually landed a little bit early, so I made my connection with no issues. And this is the best part, you guys. This is like almost unbelievable to me. <laughs> when I checked in for the flight the night before, it said that there were only middle seats left because I didn't check in early. I was so close to paying the extra $50 or whatever it is to take a window seat in that area that they now charge you extra for. I don't know if the seats are actually bigger or if it's just because it's closer to the front of the plane, but they now upcharge you if you want to sit in those seats that are right behind first class. But when I got to Chicago yesterday, I looked at my boarding pass and they actually put me in that window seat in that section that usually costs extra. So I don't really know why. I guess maybe nobody wanted to pay extra for that seat. So maybe they put me there and then gave my seat to somebody who was on standby. But however it happened, I got to sit in the seat that you're supposed to pay extra for, for free, and I got to sit in the window. So that was actually really, 
really exciting. And you know, this is what I mean. The bar for travel is so low that that actually felt like a miracle that <laughs> the airline like did me that favor and gave me that seat and I didn't have to sit in the middle, which was great. So this week's episode is a really, really fun one. And this is a topic that I have wanted to talk about for so long because it's something that I honestly could talk about for hours. I could just go on and on and on about this because it's really one of my favorite things, especially when it comes to evoking really strong memories of my childhood and my teen years. And that is perfumes and just fragrances in general from the 2000s. As a full-time nostalgia creator, I, as you would imagine, spend a lot of time reflecting on the past and laughing at it and, you know, uncovering deep memories of things I wore, things I watched, things I listened to, whatever. And people ask me really often how I remember all this stuff or where I get inspiration for the various things that I talk about. And I have a lot of answers to that question. I'm really fortunate to have a ton of pictures from my childhood and my teen years, basically up until about 2007, I would say, when I finally stopped getting physical pictures printed out and just, you know, uploaded everything onto my little pink Dell computer and put it onto a Facebook album instead. But that's a solid like 20 years of photographic evidence of my life and I have a lot of it. I've been working on sorting and organizing all of my photos, my physical photos that I have at my mom's house by year. So that makes it really easy to be able to recall the stuff that I was wearing at different times in the 90s and the 2000s because I have it all sorted by year so I can literally see like this is what I was wearing in you know 2001 or whatever. I also have a lot of video, which <laughs> is embarrassing. Um, my parents had one of those giant camcorders, you know, that like sat on your shoulder <laughs> when I was a kid and they took video of everything. And then later in the 90s, when that big bulky camcorder became outdated, obviously, and kind of obsolete, my mom would let my friends and I play with that, or not play with it, but you know, use it to record things at sleepovers and things like that. So. I, unfortunately or fortunately, however you'd like to look at it, do have a ton of home videos from everything under the sun, ranging from family Christmases to dance recitals to my little friends and I making fake infomercials, uh, fake horror movies, fake Spice Girls music videos where we each pretended to be a Spice Girl. I mean, there's like endless hours and I have a bunch of VHS tapes with all of this on there. So those are obviously very helpful in like sparking memories and remembering things that I had forgotten. But it's also crazy how random things can really just spark memories kind of out of nowhere. And I find this happens to me a lot. One of my favorite things to do is to put on some old music and kind of just zone out and see what pops into my mind. I do this when I'm taking a walk or like when I clean my apartment. And sometimes a certain song will come on and I don't know, I get like the most vivid memories as soon as I hear that song. And certain songs really, I mean, it's crazy. I can just transport myself through time almost. The other night I somehow went down this little rabbit hole on Spotify of listening to rap songs from 2009, specifically 2009. I don't know how I got there, but I put on Ice Cream Paint Job. You guys remember this song. I'm sure you guys remember this song. And I swear to you, I could feel myself like, I could put myself in my car 
in 2009, driving myself back to my apartment from campus in college, like in the exact car that I had in 2009, I remember I had this little necklace hanging from my rear view mirror and my sorority had made these sunglasses like as a probably a giveaway for Rush or something, but they were black wayfarers and then on the sides they were pink and they said Alpha Phi and I had those hanging from the necklace on my mirror and I'm telling you, just that song coming on like put me back into this place. It was such a vivid memory, such a vivid memory. And other songs do this too. I have plenty that do this. Like Shake Your Tail Feather <laughs> for some reason takes me back to sitting in my car that I had in high school in my friend's driveway on this one specific night where her parents were out of town and we had a little party at her house. And I don't know why that's the memory, but that is the memory that I hear every time I listen to that song, which is more often than I should admit. In the Club by 50 Cent takes me back to spring 2003 when a bunch of my friends and I were turning 16 and we used to go to this one person's house with our little group of friends and party and it was just, you know, us and a couple six packs of Mike's Hard Cranberry and a burned CD with 50 Cent on it. But nothing, and I mean nothing, takes me back, like sends me hurling through time and space, quite like smelling a perfume or a beauty product or a hair product, any sort of scent from my childhood or my teen years. And they say that smell is the sense that's most tied to memory, right? We've all heard this. And also to emotion, which really makes so much sense. There's such a strong emotional reaction that comes with smelling certain scents, especially if that scent is tied to some sort of memory, whether it's good or bad. And also something that you should just know about 2023, Jenna, or just like me in general, past and present. I, one, I have a bloodhound nose. I can smell everything. And this is kind of a curse because like if there's a weird smell, I just, I can't not smell it. I can't rest until I know what it is. And obviously living in a big city, like there's a lot of weird smells. And number two, more importantly, I just love fragrance. I love perfume. I love scents. I like the way things smell. Like I'm obsessed with it. I like to discover new perfumes and I've always loved scent or the way things smell. I mean, I loved all the typical beauty products in the 90s and the 2000s, but I had full-blown obsessions with some scents back then. And clearly this started with Bath and Body Works in the 90s, as was the gateway probably for most of us around my age. That was the gateway drug to my future scent obsession. My first signature scent, if you will, was Country Apple in the mid 90s, like 1995 era Bath and Body Works back when the stores still had that country aesthetic with a lot of like red gingham and woven baskets and those farmhouse kind of lights outside the store. Those are the days. I also really loved Sunripe and Raspberry and a few others, but Country Apple was the first true obsession, I would say. Like, I loved that scent and I wanted every product that they made. And then it was Juniper Breeze. Loved me some Juniper Breeze. My next signature scent, when I branched out from Bath & Body Works and started discovering other things, was the scent Crazy from the absolutely iconic Bottled Emotions line from Bonnebel. Do you guys remember Bottled Emotions? This, this was a legitimate obsession amongst myself and my little classmates when we were, I don't know, maybe like fourth grade, fifth grade, somewhere around that. I mean, we were young, but they were these miniature perfumes. They were small and they were all just the various bright colors. 
and they had this cute little silver cap and they were made by Bonnie Bell, which is the same company that made Lip Snackers and all of these other really cool products back in the 90s, like the lipstick that flipped up, the flip stick that kind of looked like a lighter. And each different scent that was a different color was meant to correspond to a different emotion or just like a different state of being. It was stuff like pretty or shy or playful or funky or lucky or flirty or whatever. You get the idea. But for some reason, and I don't know if this was unique to my school or my friend group, but we were all obsessed with crazy. That was like the popular scent. It was purple and they all had this little kind of illustrated icon on the bottle that represented the emotion and crazy had a little flying saucer like spaceship and we all just like lost our minds over this and really the packaging is what did it for me because even looking at pictures now that packaging is so perfectly mid to late 90s I mean it was just cute and small and fun and just you know, perfectly branded for a tween girl. And really the entire Y2K aesthetic, just, I feel like so many things about pop culture in general at that time, and especially the way things looked and, and branding, just felt like it was made for a 12 year old girl, which was me at the time. So, you know, everything was cute and, and brightly colored. And I remember going to stores at that time and just thinking, this stuff was made for me. Like, I am clearly the target audience for all of this stuff. And I think that beauty products in general were just branded so well and so well marketed toward my age group and, you know, teenage girls also. When I think about probably the signature scent though of the late 90s for girls my age, like tween girls, teen girls, it's no question the Gap perfume line. Gap Dream Gap Heaven, Gap Ohm, and Gap Grass. Oh, you guys, I like the nostalgia I get when I think about these, not just the scent, but like the original bottles. Do you remember? I could cry thinking about that. I mean, this is like peak mid to late 90s. They were frosted glass, so Y2K, right? With kind of like this brushed silver cap that felt very chic at the time. And they also came in a smaller size which was like a little aluminum bottle, which kind of reminds me of those designer imposter perfumes you could get at like Kmart <laughs> now that I think about it. But at the time I thought this was very chic. And they also had, similar to Bottled Emotions, a little illustrated graphic on the bottle that corresponded to the fragrance. So Gap Dream had a little cloud, obviously. Ohm had kind of a, a swirl or like a spiral. I don't know what that was supposed to be. Heaven had an angel wing, naturally, and grass had grass, obviously. That makes sense. And even the colors of the scent, like that perfect, perfect Y2K periwinkle of the dream scent and the almost lime green color of the, of the grass scent. Just thinking about it, it is Y2K. I mean, thinking about everything about them takes me back to sixth grade. The scent, the aesthetics of the bottle, everything. I can picture them sitting on my dresser in my bedroom, you know, next to my lava lamp and my shimmery little boom box that was kind of rounded and looked like a spaceship and my blue inflatable chair in the corner. Oh. And I think the branding of these perfumes was really just as important as what they smelled like. They looked perfect. They looked perfect for what I was looking for at that time, at that age. They were mature enough to feel 
kind of like an actual perfume. It wasn't a body spray from Bath & Body Works, but you know, the names, the packaging, the colors, everything was so Y2K and just playful and cute enough to be super appealing to a 12 year old while still not feeling childish. So obviously, just like every girl my age, this quickly became my signature, my obsession. While everybody else went for Dream, I feel like that was hands down the most popular scent, I opted for Grass. And maybe this was because I was just annoying and needed to be different, but I legitimately remember thinking it smelled like mind-blowing levels amazing. I thought this was groundbreaking that they made a perfume that literally smelled like, I mean, it smelled like cut grass in the 90s. And I think I did mention this a while back, but you can buy all four of those original scents right now at Gap Factory stores. Only Gap Factory though. They don't have them at regular Gap stores. And the dream smells exactly like I remember it. I like exactly like sixth grade, but I was really disappointed that grass smells a lot different. It does not smell like grass anymore. I guess they thought maybe in 2023, people don't want to smell like the ground in July. I do, <laughs> but it's much more floral now. But I did buy it anyway. I bought the grass for the nostalgia, obviously. So I was trying to think about the first real perfume I ever got, as in you know, not a store fragrance, not a body spray, or not something that was clearly made for little girls like Bottled Emotions was. And also not one that was actually my mom's that I just pretended was mine while I would sneak it from her bathroom, like Curve or Estee Lauder Pleasures, which, you know, my mom wore. And I think mine was Lucky You from Lucky Brand, obviously, which I begged my mother to buy for me from the buckle at the mall my freshman year of high school. The chokehold that Lucky Brand had on teenage girls around that time should be studied. This was 2001, 2002. That was my freshman year of high school. I mean, I would have replaced my entire wardrobe with Lucky Brand if I could have at that time. It was expensive, so clearly that wasn't happening. But this was a very specific moment in fashion when this sort of Western rocker, kind of post Y2K, very coyote ugly thing was huge. And Lucky Brand captured that so perfectly. You know, it was a lot of like fringed belts or like those leather belts that tied on the side and peasant blouses, but also graphic tees with rhinestones on them and maybe some rips or a raw helm. We loved a raw helm. Maybe a button down shirt with pearl snaps, very Western. And then like, dirty washed jeans and leather boots and a suede penny lane coat, you know, with the fur trim. I mean, that was the vibe. And I was fully, fully invested in this. So I'm pretty sure I got the Lucky Brand perfume set for Christmas 2001, my freshman year of high school. And it came in a gift set and it had the perfume. It was the pink one with the little black cap that kind of felt rubbery. And then it had a lotion. And then for some reason, it also had a powder, a scented powder. I really, to this day, don't know exactly what the purpose of that was. <laughs> you were just supposed to dust the scented powder over your body to make yourself smell good. I don't know. But I remember that powder sat on my dresser for years of my life. And honestly, lucky you, that perfume, it smelled so good. I can smell it now. Even just thinking about it, I can smell it. I loved it so much. And I stand by that one. I think that that's one that, like, if I smelled it now, I would be like, oh, that smells good. But again, I think this was also the case of 
the aesthetic and even just the aesthetic of the brand associated with it, Lucky Brand, being just as important as the actual fragrance to me. And as much as I really do love fragrance and did at that time, I think there were these associations with a lot of these scents in the 2000s that did have a really big impact, maybe even a bigger impact than the actual scent on my purchasing decisions. Because like, if we're being honest, some of these scents that I remember wearing pretty faithfully, they didn't smell that good. <laughs> Especially some of the really sweet ones that I wore in the 2000s. Like, Sweet Pea from Bath and Body Works, which I literally kept a bottle of it in my locker, or that awful juice bar scent that you could, that body spray you could buy at like Walmart smelled so bad. <laughs> but you know what? If it had a cute bottle and a clever name, I was sold. I'm such a sucker for branding. Even now, I love good branding. I think it's a really important part of your product. But the biggest selling point of the 2000s for perfumes was a celebrity fragrance. Every friggin' celebrity had a perfume in the 2000s. Obviously, there were the most iconic ones, right? Britney Spears, Curious, and Fantasy. The Curious bottle, the blue one with like the charm and the little poof that you could spray. What is that called? An atomizer, maybe? It was literally the most gorgeous thing I had ever laid eyes on. I don't even know if I liked the scent. I didn't care. I just wanted the bottle sitting on my dresser. Uh, Paris Hilton scent with that tall bottle with the pink and black stripes. J-Lo Glow. Talk about iconic celebrity perfume. I mean, people were obsessed. Or the lesser known Miami Glow by J-Lo, which I opted for because I remember thinking it literally smelled like vacation. I can almost still smell that one too. It had a little bit of a, I don't know, it was kind of a weird scent, but I really liked it. But truly, everybody had a, a perfume in those days. Hilary Duff had a perfume called With Love. <laughs> there was Lovely by Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, Gwen Stefani obviously had the Harajuku Lovers perfume. M by Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey would just call her perfume M. That's kind of icon behavior, to be honest. Uh, Christina Aguilera released her first perfume in 2004, which I didn't even, I don't even think that was on my radar. There were so many. I somehow missed Christina. Avril Lavigne came out with a perfume. Nelly even had a perfume for the Apple Bottoms line. Oh my God. And then there was Mary Kate and Ashley. <sighs> Mary Kate and Ashley had a perfume with their cosmetic line at Walmart and I think it was called Coast to Coast and there were two and one was blue and one was pink and I just remember I was I mean I was obsessed with that entire line but I actually think that those perfumes smelled really good I don't know but I love them and this doesn't even touch the early 2010s when everybody from Beyonce to Katy Perry to Shakira, Nicki Minaj, they all released celebrity fragrances. I mean, this was a huge thing. The celebrity perfume in the 2000s was like the 2023 equivalent to an influencer skincare line. <laughs> everybody had one. A lot of them weren't particularly good but you know they sold because we weren't buying them based on the product. We were buying them based on the person behind the product. And as a teenager who was obsessed with celebrities, obviously, you know, I ate this up, all of it. My favorites of the celebrity scents, I have to say, were obviously Britney Spears. Curious was my favorite from Britney and Paris Hilton, the one in the pink bottle. And you know what? I really couldn't even begin to tell you what either one of those scents smelled like now or 
if I even really liked them. I mean, I don't know if I did. But Britney and Paris were two of my very favorite celebrities. I mean, I loved both of them. Actually, they still are. So really not much has changed there. But I had to have their perfumes because I loved them. But besides the celebrity perfumes, I did own a couple of legitimate perfumes that weren't you know, Bath and Body Works body sprays in high school that smelled amazing. And I honestly stand by now. The first perfume I remember buying from a counter at Macy's instead of like at the Buckle or PacSun or whatever was probably Clinique Happy. And honestly, you guys, we cannot understate the legacy of Clinique Happy or just Clinique in general. I think it's so iconic and was so impactful on our generation. It was 100% my first department store makeup or whatever you want to call it, makeup that I didn't buy at Target or, or Walmart. And probably my first skincare that wasn't Clearasil or proactive or something, my first, you know, nice skincare. I used that three-step Clinique skincare system for I mean, I used it into college, for sure. I was devoted. So a while ago, I did a bracket on Instagram where every day I would put up matchups and people would vote for several days. And this was to determine the top perfume of the 2000s. And it came down to the final two, Love Spell from Victoria's Secret versus Clinique Happy. And Love Spell did take the overall title. I think that makes sense. But I was honestly kind of shocked that Clinique Happy made it as far as it did because it beat out some like heavy hitters of 2000s fragrances, okay? All the Celebrity Scents, Abercrombie Fierce, Vera Wang Princess, Ralph Lauren, all the Bath and Body Works scents, all the Victoria's Secrets. I mean, it, it beat out a ton of these scents. And Clinique Happy was a standard and a classic for a reason. I think we all either owned it or knew somebody <laughs> close to us who did. As I got a little older, I got more into designer perfumes, which I thought were extremely fancy, by the way, but things that you couldn't buy at a mall store, you had to get it at a department store. I remember in 2003, winter 2003, I went to Chicago with my mom right before Christmas and she bought me a gift set for Christmas of the scent Magnetism by Escada. It's in this kind of tall, dark magenta bottle that kind of goes to the side a little bit. And I remember thinking this was so luxurious, like so fancy, so special. And I barely use this. This was like extremely special occasions only. And you guys, I still have that bottle of Escada Magnetism sitting on my dresser at my mom's house. And it is half full, maybe even a little more than half full. This is what happens when you think something is too nice or too fancy to use. And this is also why I have a lot of the stuff that I still have from when I was young, clothes and accessories especially, because they were fancy things that I wanted to keep nice and hardly ever wore, which is why they look brand new. Like my first coach purse, which I still have, it is in perfect, perfect, pristine condition because I was too afraid to ever use it really. Honestly, that Escada perfume really smells good. So good for 2023 me because I use it now when I go home. I don't care. I'm getting, I'm getting use out of it now 20 years later. 
Then my senior year, I got Burberry Brit and I still remember getting this. It was right before homecoming. I remember being at the mall at Macy's, I'm sure, with my mom on a weekday afternoon, you know, after school, probably there looking for shoes or earrings or, you know, something to go with my homecoming dress. It was right before homecoming. And this is a perfume that I honestly consider rebuying probably once a week. It smells so good. And this is what I mean too when I say that scents can transport me through time. I will never forget this experience. A few years ago, I was still working in fitness studios and I was in my office of my studio, which was right off of the front desk area. And I had my door open and a woman came into the studio and she was wearing Burberry Brit. And I smelled it from where I was in the office and it was instant flashbacks to senior year. I mean, like if I closed my eyes, it was fall 2004. I could hear slow motion playing out of my Mitsubishi Eclipse while I drove down the county road to pick up my bestie after school to go drive around. Like it was a crazy memory that just flooded over me. So of course I popped my head out of the office and I asked her if she was wearing Burberry Brit and she was. And this is one scent that will forever live in my brain. Like the smell of the Garnier Fructis scrunching gel that I used to glob into my hair as I was running out the door, you know, late for high school as always. I also naturally loved any and all body spray that I could get my hands on. Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, those were the go-tos usually. But I also loved me some Walmart body spray, that Hawaiian ginger body spray that we all used. I loved that body spray. But I loved Love Spell. I also loved Pure Seduction from Victoria's Secret, which, why was it called Pure Seduction? What a weird name for a pink body spray. It wasn't particularly seductive either honestly it was kind of sweet kind of light like very easy to wear i also loved like loved warm vanilla sugar from bath and body works i bought a bottle of warm vanilla sugar body wash i think it was a couple winters ago and i nearly gagged when i smelled it not because it smells bad it actually smells really really good but because my senior year of high school i left a bottle of warm vanilla sugar body spray in my car and because I lived in the freaking Arctic of Wisconsin, it must have been a full bottle and it froze and the cap came loose and it spilled all over inside my car. I mean, my entire car reeked like warm vanilla sugar body spray and I never got that smell out of my car as long as I had that car. Every single time you open the door, it's all you could smell. <laughs> warm vanilla sugar just assaulting your senses. And I'm convinced that we all have that one scent from back in the day that we either spilled or the bottle broke or maybe the kid who sat ahead of us in algebra bathed in it and just didn't have a sense of how strong it was or whatever the situation. We all have that one scent that we were somehow way overexposed to and we can just never think about it in the same way again. That's my warm vanilla sugar body spray. And you know what? else I think is really funny. If I close my eyes and I think of the smell of warm vanilla sugar, I can smell it vividly, first of all, but also instantly in my mind, I go to senior year, standing outside my friend's house, which is where we all, all of us used to hang out that winter. Like I can see myself standing outside of this house 
with my friends, all of our cars parked in the spots where all of our cars always were, wearing my little white Hollister jacket. And I'm pretty sure that's where I was when I realized that bottle had frozen and spilled all over inside my car. You see what I mean? Like scent transports us. It is time travel or as close as we're ever probably gonna get to it in our lifetime. In college for me, it was all about Victoria's Secret, Juicy Couture, and Ed Hardy. <laughs> and Abercrombie 8 also. I was freaking obsessed with Abercrombie 8 and honestly, I still am. I have a bottle of it on my dresser right now. It smells really good. But I went through the Victoria's Secret very sexy for her phase around 2005, 2006, my freshman year of college. I remember feeling like Victoria's Secret very sexy was so sophisticated. I don't know what about that perfume read sophistication to me, but I was convinced. And then those Victoria's Secret pink body sprays came out in the square bottles. Oh my God. I don't think I've gone so insane over a body care line since the OG Bath and Body Works scents in the 90s. I bought all of these. I love them. I bought the lotion. I bought the body spray. I had a, I had like a whole container with all of them in my little college apartment. I was obsessed. The best one was fresh and clean, which they still make. And yes, I own and wear, but there was one that had a purple, I think it was a purple bottle or maybe the writing on it was purple. It was kind of sweeter smelling. I'm trying to Google this. Maybe it was sweet and flirty. I wish I could smell it. If I could smell it, I would know instantly because I can almost still smell it in my mind. It was sweet, but not in a bad way. I'm not usually a sweet person, but anyway, I loved all of these scents. But then I discovered Juicy Couture. It was all over for me when I discovered the Juicy scent. It was probably around 2008. I think the first Juicy perfume I got was actually Viva Le Juicy, but then I backtracked and I got the original, and then I got Couture Couture, which was actually my favorite. The bottles though, again, going back to the branding, the bottles were the standout. I mean, the scents were fine, but the bottles were so adorable. Viva La Juicy had that clear glass bottle with the big pink bow and the, and the clear cap, so iconic and just like perfect juicy couture. Couture Couture, if you don't remember, it had sort of a rounded bottle with like etched glass and then it had a pink ribbon around the bottle and then this like ornate gold top. It was so gaudy, <laughs> but perfect in the way that only late 2000s Juicy Couture could really pull off and not look ugly. And then there was the Ed Hardy perfume. Look, I know the Ed Hardy phase was a rough time for all of us who were there and lived through it, but I stand by that perfume to this day, the one in the pink bottle. It is not a cute bottle. It has the Ed Hardy print all over it. They literally sell it at TJ Maxx now and CVS, but it smells so good. I loved that smell. If I had to choose a scent profile for the later half of the 2000s, a scent that just captures the essence of 2008, let's say. It would either be Viva La Juicy or that pink bottle Ed Hardy. They both have this kind of like fun, flirty, like very fruity, floral, just really feminine scent to them. They literally smell like a pink velour tracksuit and a bump it and a tan, but like in a good way. And I used to just 
cover myself in that Ed Hardy perfume before I expertly affixed my bump it to my bleach blonde hair with like 17 bobby pins and then headed out to the bars in an $8 highly flammable bodycon dress from Forever 21 that I bought at the Grapevine Mills Mall. And you know what? I would do it again. It was a moment in time. I loved it. And that scent, that Ed Hardy scent, perfectly complimented the moment. <laughs> and speaking of scents that perfectly complimented the moment, I'm going to end this with a list. But this list is going to be a little different because I, I couldn't even begin to narrow down a top five or even a top ten. So instead, this is going to be a rapid-fire list of scents, no commentary, just scents, ones that I haven't talked about already, that will just forever take me back in time when I smell them. Bath & Body Works Plumeria, Curve, Victoria's Secret Amber Romance, French Connection UK with that rectangle metal bottle that had the hollow glass center, Hollister Malaya, CK1, Lilu from PacSun, The Body Shop White Musk, Escada Island Kiss, Tommy Girl, Baby Fat Perfume with the rhinestones on the bottle, uh, the Victoria's Secret Dream Angels Heavenly scent with a white cap, the Candies Perfume in the orange bottle, Victoria's Secret Strawberries and Champagne, the Roxy Perfume with the pink writing on the bottle, Ralph Lauren Ralph, Ralph Lauren Hot, Ralph Lauren Rocks, and Ralph Lauren Cool. Barrowing Princess, DKNY Be Delicious with the bottle that looked like an apple, Sunflowers, Bath and Body Works Japanese Cherry Blossom, Gucci Envy and Gucci Envy Me. I think Gucci Envy was green and Gucci Envy Me was pink, the bottles. Marc Jacobs Daisy, Hollister August, and Sun Moon Stars Perfume in that navy frosted glass bottle. Oh my god. That one sent me hurling, hurling through time and space. <laughs> I think it's 1995. And this doesn't even scratch the surface of all the nostalgic men's scents. I was going to add a little bit of that in there, but I just I had to limit it somehow. And I do have to stop talking about all of this at some point. So I hope this episode was fun for you. I hope it sparked some good memories or some bad ones, maybe. Scent does both of that. But I hope you had as much fun listening as I did talking about this. And, you know, maybe it inspired you to take a little trip to the mall to see what nostalgic fragrances you can still find because there are a lot of them that are still available. If you did enjoy this episode, I always appreciate it if you share the podcast or share an individual episode with a friend or somebody else who might enjoy it or just shoot it out on your social media. It is super helpful. The pod is off next week, but I will be back the first week in January with another episode. So I'll talk to you then. Bye.